0: Hey, James, how are you today?
1: Doing okay. How about you guys?
0: Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Alex, sup? what's up? What's um, up? Listeners, welcome. <laughs> that was that was, awkward. Yeah, that was nice and awkward. Uh, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast, where we're sometimes very awkward, but we like to keep it strange and talk about weird things. Um, this week, we're talking about dark fairy tales, but before we hop on in... Did you guys have anything you wanted to talk about? Any interesting developments within your lives?
2: Oh yes. So there's this cat outside my office. <gasps> he's this gray and white cat. And mm. we saw him just standing there looking up into a tree. And everyone looked and noticed that it was and James, you might have to correct me, but it was a giant groundhog standing in a tree. He was what? just staring at he was just staring at our window and he's just big fluffy groundhog weird i have never heard of a groundhog in a tree that is bizarre i took a picture it's very blurry <laughs> i forgot i've got but uh a uh, someone from my office has a video maybe i'll get him to send it to me we can post it on our 13th floor
0: instagram <laughs> yeah definitely get that to me and but i'll yeah, put it up there it's
2: huge and it, mm. it was up the street and the cat looked like he was trying to think like can i take it <laughs> Can I take it? And then oh, ultimately man. I think he decided he couldn't because he walked away. And then the groundhog climbed down. It was just so bizarre. I didn't know they could get yeah. in trees, but he is massive. Weird. Yeah.
1: That's my uncle's favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. He's, yeah, he's he's really nostalgic for groundhog too. He's not able to get one for a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was really funny because someone goes someone the first person that saw it shouted and goes there's a beaver in the tree. <laughs> well, honestly,
1: a- that sounds more reasonable to me than a groundhog. I've never seen a groundhog in a tree. It's so weird.
0: What if yeah. it was a beaver? It
2: wasn't. It, it climbed down. Its tail was not beaver. It didn't have a beaver tail. No.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's cool.
2: Yeah. Jay- he, <laughs> he was a chunky boy. Was- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, you guys, are we ready for icebreaker before Ice we hop breaker. on into? Dark fairy tales.
2: <coughs> yep, it's a pretty simple one this week.
0: Okay, what is it?
2: Since we're doing dark fairy tales, I would figure we would pick our favorite light fairy tales, our favorite animated Disney movies from when we were kids. Mm. We were kids. Not now, but back when we were kids. Mm. Mine was Robin Hood.
0: Robin Hood.
2: Yeah, they animated the Disney Robin Hood.
0: I didn't watch that one very much growing up, but that's I a good one.
2: Absolutely love that one. And there is a scene where. I believe it's Robin Hood, kisses the king's uh, jewels on his hand and steals all of them by sucking... like sucking Oh, his yeah. Off. oh yeah.
0: yeah, I remember that.
2: I still love that scene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he dreams about it sometimes at night. <laughs>
2: mm. Yes. Oh, yes, man. that's how I plan on thieving from the rich. Yeah. Sucking the diamonds off of them.
0: James, what was...
2: <laughs> James, oh, what man. was your
0: fa- your favorite?
2: Uh, I really liked Latin.
1: I uh I was a big fan of Robin Williams when I, even when I was little. Like I would watch like old Nick at Night, Mork and Mindy things. So uh, I absolutely I remember playing Aladdin with my friends. Like like we would make believe we were flipping Aladdin and all that crap afterwards. Also. Awesome. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. That's I loved that movie too, but I think that too. my personal favorite was actually Peter Pan.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Like I just remember I just remember loving the idea of flying. Uh, and, like, I remember once I got on top of my mantle, and I was going to jump, but my dad stopped me before he did it. But <laughs> I wanted to be Wendy so bad.
1: Uh, Pinker Bell had a pronounced effect on me as a kid. Like, I still <laughs> like pixie haircuts because, yeah. <laughs> well, all
0: right.
2: Good Ladies know. out there,
0: uh, James is single, <laughs> and if you've got a pixie cut, why don't you reach out? uh <laughs> You know, wow. Peter Pan has a really dark. It, it's the the actual Peter Pan story is really dark compared to the yeah. Disney one.
1: Really, yeah. all the fairy tales are much darker than the Disney ones. Like we could have yeah. technically done a baker's dozen of
2: these. Oh yeah, well maybe we'll revisit them sometime.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: There's a lot to do.
1: Yes, hey got, we got
0: a couple. What?
1: Guess how many's in a baker's dozen?
2: Thirteen. <laughs> oh.
0: oh. Oh. man. We missed you
2: know. an opportunity. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Alright, guys. So Dark Fairy Tales, are you guys ready to hop on into the topic?
2: Ready. Yep.
0: Alright, so I guess I'm starting us off this week, and I am going to be talking about the dark origins of sleeping beauty, which I think I'm basically just gonna retell the tale as told. The first time believed to be okay. yeah Interesting. but i also have a little bit of information just about fairy tales in general just like where they come from where we have them all that stuff hmm. So I, you know with all of these topics that we research it always leads us down another another path and that was the one that i took so i got some of my research from ranker.com and a blog called lady geek girl and I will be discussing the very, very dark story behind Sleeping Beauty. In English class, back when I was but a wee student, you guys, we were always taught that fairy tales, as as with most pieces of literature, they have an underlying message and some sort of lesson for the reader. So people, like, growing up way back in the olden days, like the 1600s, which is when the tale of Sleeping Beauty first is believed to have come about, but people would tell their children these stories to teach them a a life lesson. And as we discussed earlier, Disney's kind of taken a lot of these stories and kind of made them a little bit more tame for soft audiences of today. Mm
2: -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
0: the the lessons are a lot different today than they were back in the day. But do you guys know how far back fairy tales date?
2: Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia? That's my guess.
0: James, what do you think?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with Greece. Greece. Greece is the word.
0: Greece is the word. Yeah, those are those are some good guesses. Actually, what I found, and I found lots of varying reports, so I mean, they could go back as far as that. But the um, the furthest I found was Egypt, and it wasn't it wasn't like a collection of stories. It was just like mm. a single story. Like that's when the fairy tales came about. One of the first real collections of fairy tales was written by a guy named Gian Battista Basio. Ugh. He was an Italian soldier, politician, and a writer, and he composed what many believe was the very first collection of fairy tales back in 1634, titled "Lo Cunto di Cunti."
2: Why did you make that weird <laughs> grunt sound after you said his name? I thought something horrifying was going to be happening No, afterwards.
0: he's just very, I mean, if you read some of his stories, they're very dark. Oh, really? They're very dark. But... Lo de Locunti means the story of stories. Some people say it means the tale of tales, which there's actually a movie based upon his writings called The Tale of Tales, and it's starring Selma Hayek. Mm. I haven't seen it; I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> but the English translation is called the Pentamerone. That sounds like a delicious dessert to me.
2: Yeah, sounds a lot of English.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd eat it. What'd you say, Ash?
2: Sounds like it's not English. It's, it's,
0: it's, I mean, it's a translation. (laughs) But his story, it's basically people who all come together and they share 50 different stories, aka fairy tales, which was a pretty, pretty common writing method way back when. Like you see it in the Canterbury Tales, it's like people telling stories to one another. So that's kind of the structure of the Pantamorone it's called a frame story, technically, which I'm sure that you guys both know because you're both English majors. James, you were an English major, right? Yeah. So anyways, it's a frame story. So it's – and the frame story also, by the way, is, is pretty dark. Like I won't go into it here because it's like an entire different story in and of itself. But the group of people that collect, there's a, a dark background there too. Cool. But if you want to read the Pentamerona, you can find it on Amazon.
1: Yeah. Well.
0: But it's mostly referred to as the tale of tales on Amazon. So Translations, they can be a bit finicky, y'all. Especially translating Italian from three centuries ago. And I, I don't think that GM Bautista, I he can't really like take full credit for all the stories in his book because most of them were believed to have been collected from local folklore. So just word of mouth stories shared from person to person. But he kind of finally compiled them all to a single book. And many are cautionary tales that parents would tell their kiddos at night to entertain, but also teach them a serious life lesson. But the Pentamaroni would go on to inspire other famous fairy tale writers down the road, like the Grimm brothers, who are probably the most well-known. I would say fairy tale writers. What uh who? Who do you think of when you think of fairy tales?
2: Grimm brothers <laughs> and, and Hans Christian Andersen.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's pretty big, but also uh, Charles Perrault. Which you're talking about the um the Little Mermaid, right? Yeah,
2: that's well, yeah. Christian Anderson. Oh yeah. yeah, you're
0: right. He did he did write that. What did Charles Pratt write?
2: Who cares? No one knows about Sleeping
0: him. Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, every fairy tale writer has their own take on Sleeping Beauty. Um, so do you guys want to hear about <laughs> Dark Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, go oh. for it. Uh, I'm nervous, you guys. It's dark, uh, but. <laughs> Gian Battista's version is actually titled Sun, Moon, and Talia.
2: Who's Talia?
0: Talia Sleeping Beauty. Oh. And I'll let y'all know who Sun and Moon are just a little bit. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Alex, before before we get into it, Alex, do you, do you have any guesses as to who Sun and Moon are? I'm not going to ask James because I'm sure he already knows.
2: Sun and Moon. Uh,
0: who are Sun and Moon?
2: Our little rats. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's the wrong movie. <laughs> 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 um, you know what? I don't really know Sleeping Beauty hardly at all now that I'm thinking of it. This was
0: this was one of the Disney movies that I didn't watch quite as much growing up, but it's because she
2: sleeps it. for like 40 minutes. <laughs> There's a- <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So Alex has no input on who sun and moon are. I
1: don't.
0: So so the first part of the story, it, it's actually kind of similar to the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty, which I feel most of our listeners, save Alex, who's probably watched it like half a time. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen <laughs> might it before. Be with. I just oh, can't
2: remember any of it.
0: I'm sure you've seen it.
2: Does she have stepsisters?
0: No, she has no stepsisters. Man, I thought She's they got... all
2: had stepsisters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man.
0: But Talia is a princess threatened by a splinter that, when pricked, will put her into a deep sleep. Hmm. But
2: That's what—that's that's how Cece ad- acts when she gets a splinter. It she really passes is. out <laughs> and goes into a deep sleep. It's
0: actually pretty true. I hate splinters. <laughs> but when Talia's born, you guys her pops calls in an astrologer. He's a king. But pops calls an astrologer who predicts that a piece of flax would be his daughter's downfall. So her dad is like, no flax in this castle, or so help me God. (laughs) So Talia grows up in a flaxless world. She ain't got no clue what flax is, which is a big problem down the line when she meets an old woman who's spinning some flax. I don't know where she was, but she saw her and she was like, hey, can you teach me how to spin some flax? And the old woman has no idea that, you know, Tolly is going to die if a piece of flax touches her finger. And so she lets her do it. And you guys, guess what happens?
2: She gets <laughs> flaxed. <laughs> she, she,
0: she gets flaxed. She gets pricked. A little splinter of it actually gets lodged underneath her fingernail. Mm. And she presses right on that. Right there. Falls to the ground. She's down for the count. And everyone thinks she's dead. Which, by the way, in this version of Sleeping Beauty, it doesn't say she's asleep. It eludes that she's like actually dead.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: which is weird. So why
2: don't they bury her?
0: Well, you guys, Pops, the king, is he's very, very upset. He's just overcome with grief. He doesn't want to have to bury his daughter. So instead, he puts her in one of his little country mansions.
2: As you yeah. do with a dead body. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he he leaves her there, he puts her in this nice little room, surrounded oh. by flowers. He's just like, she's beautiful. I'm going to leave her here.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So f- let's flash forward, okay, in time.
2: This this guy is a horrible writer so far.
0: No, well, just let- The,
2: the plot holes are come numerous. On,
0: come on. Let's just okay. keep going. Maybe this was normal for the time. We weren't alive in 1634, okay? Mm. Well, James was. Yeah, James was. <laughs> uh, so flash forward to, quote, after a time, as Gian Battista puts it, a different king from another village, he's out hunting. Mm. <laughs> And he comes upon this beautiful country mansion, and his pet falcon flies into the window, mm. an open window in this house where this dead body is laying. so his bird doesn't come out and he's like, "What gives?" So he goes inside the house and he comes across the lifeless body of talia and, and this is oh. where this is where he's supposed to give her a kiss and wake her up from her slumber, right
2: Oh no, I think this might be the one that I saw Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he does not just give her a kiss, you guys. He
2: takes
0: things a step further.
2: As you do with a dead body. And I'm laughing because...
0: (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable, (laughs) not because I find this funny, Mm. but here's a direct line from the story, which I found a copy of on www.pitt.edu backslash a whole bunch of stuff, but this is what the king does after he tries to wake up Talia with no success. Quote, Crying aloud, he beheld her charms and felt his blood course hotly through his veins. He lifted her in his arms and carried her to a bed, where he gathered, where he gathered.
2: The, How many times did he gather?
0: Well, I'm going <laughs> to.
2: <laughs> Man, he gathered a lot that night.
0: <laughs> he gathered the, the first fruits of love. Leaving her on the bed, he returned to his own kingdom, where in the pressing business of his realm... He for a time thought no more about the incident.
1: End quote.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, this
1: Pretty shouldn't be called right? Sun Moon and Talia. This should be called the Necrophilic Prince.
0: Oh, it's so <laughs> gross! Yeah, this dirt—he's jer- a straight-up predator. Yeah. And he's—and you guys get this—he's married. Oh. He goes Dang. back to his realm where he's got his queen waiting for him. Mm-mm. Mm. No,
1: Dios right. mio!
0: But the worst part is that he's not the bad guy in the story, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> At least, we I mean, we obviously see him as a bad guy because he kind of is, but... Yeah.
2: It, it, he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we,
1: we got a dead girl named Talia, so I'm guessing the villain is Raish. W-
0: what?
2: Uh, Alex, you get it, right? Yeah, Raish uh, you, you know it's what? It's a Batman reference. It just goes, yeah. from,
0: okay, all right. <laughs> right over <laughs> my head. <laughs> well, you guys, the king's seed must have been quite strong because Talia gets oh pregnant. Lord. After unknowingly <laughs> encountering this pervy king, and she ends up giving birth to two beautiful twin babies, one boy and one girl, named Moon named Sun and Moon. Oh,
1: she's,
0: she's still sleeping when all of this happens, by the way. So she just she just delivers these babies, like they, I guess they just fall from her womb, and then some fairies come Damn. into the tale. And there are t- there are fairies in the Disney version of this
1: story, yeah, but no necrophilia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Praise God. They uh, The fairies come, and they basically watch over the babies. But one day, the babies get hungry, and they try to find a little milky-milky, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and they end up finding their way to their mom's fingers, and one of them starts sucking on her finger, and guess what pops out? The flax. The flax! The flax comes right on out, and she wakes up. And she's like, she's got no idea what's going on, but she just instantly falls in love with her kids, which I can't say... I, if this, if I were in this situation, then I would be quite happy about this. I'd probably wake <laughs> up and be like, what the F is going on? Where yeah. am I? Who are these strange children? And why are there fairies in the other room? <laughs>
1: That's bizarre.
0: Yeah, it's really weird.
1: Talia just rolls with the punches.
0: <laughs> yeah, she really, she just, she just keeps going. So she ends up living in her pop's country mansion with her beautiful little babies and all as well. So, let's pop over a few villages and revisit Pervy King, shall we? So, (laughs) one day he's working and he's just like, hmm, wonder whatever happened to that broad I found in that country (laughs) castle that one time. (laughs) And so, he goes back and visits her. He tells his wife. He says, hey, I'm going hunting again.
1: Oh, my God. And she's
0: like, okay, go catch us a pheasant." So, he leaves and he gets there and he finds Tally awake with the kids and he... He's like, whoa, this is awesome. And he tells Talia what happened and who he is. And for some reason, she's okay with it all. She's like, cool, I'm in love. And this is my baby daddy. Oh,
2: <laughs> wow. my God. Yeah,
0: and they live happily for a few days before the king has to return back home. So, Man, Two times. Extended, yeah, extended.
2: This is a lifetime tr-
1: movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Back home, the wife, the queen... She, she's just sitting at home. She's like, he went, he went hunting to go catch us some food. And he's been gone for like a week. What the the hell? So she, um, she smells something fishy going on. And she calls one of her secretaries and she's like, tell me what's going on. And if my husband is sleeping around. So the secretary, she spills the beans. He's like queen. He knocked up some princess and she's got twins. So the queen devises this very dark plan. She has a secretary go fetch the twins from Talia. And the queen orders that the twins be cooked
2: by their cook. You
0: turn them into food and then she's going to feed them to her husband.
2: A reasonable reaction.
0: Yeah, here you go. Eat your children. And so she sends (laughs) off the secretary. (laughs) He goes and he gets the kids. And Talia gives them to him because I think that the secretary is like, so, like the king would, would like to spend some time with his children and she's like oh yay because she has no idea that he's married oh go children go be with your father and so they're taken into the kitchen and they're given to the cook and the cook sees them. unfortunately the cook has a heart he sees these children and he's like I cannot freaking cook these children so he hides them and instead he cooks lamb the queen doesn't know this though so similar
2: flavors <laughs> yeah, similar, similar flavors
0: <laughs> But the queen doesn't know that it's just lamb. And so her and her husband are bickering over dinner like a married couple. And with each bite he takes, he's like, "Mm, this is delicious. And then the queen says, eat, eat. You are eating of your own. Nice. Yeah. And he gets angry at this. He doesn't really comprehend what she's saying. He doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) And his response is, and I love this. I know perfectly well that I'm eating of my own because you have brought nothing into this house.
2: <laughs> Whoa! Okay. Wow. Rude man.
0: Mad burn.
2: Mad burn.
0: Yeah, he leaves in a tizzy to cool down because they're like all angry. Like just, I'm just trying to enjoy my my lamb, and she's all like, Mm-mm-mm. so he Wait leaves- you, it's your baby. <laughs> yeah. he, he leaves in a tizzy to cool down because the queen is just t- testing him today. Which Alex, I know you've had to do this before. I test you and you get up you go upstairs.
2: <laughs> Anything to get away. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So next, the queen tells the secretary to fetch Talia. This is, se- this is part two of her two-part plan. So go fetch Talia because she wants to throw Talia into a fire. So Talia comes and the queen lays out her plan. And Talia is obviously very upset because, number one, she didn't realize that the king was married.
1: This is Game of Thrones, you guys. Yeah. It, for uh, real maybe,
0: real. maybe it did provide some influence. Maybe. I bet you George R.R. R. Martin read Gian Bautista's book. Sure, probably. Props. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Tolly's very upset because she didn't know that the king was married and she's about to be thrown in a fire. And so she's very upset. She's like, I can't reason with this. I'm just I'm just gonna have to roll with the punches, as James said earlier. Ugh. Just go with it. Go with the flow. So she asks the queen. She's like, Can I at least take my clothes off? For some reason, I want to take my clothes off. I think she's just trying to delay what's going to happen. She's like, let me take my clothes off. I usually
2: want to get naked before I get in a furnace, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the queen is like, she's all angry, but she's like, I kind of want those clothes. So she lets (laughs) her take off the clothes. Yeah. And so with every piece of outfit that Talia takes off, she's like, you know, taking off her corset. She's uh, like moaning. Oh, no. <laughs> and, you guys, the king hears her crying, and he comes to the rescue.
2: So, she really did do it to delay it so she can make noise.
0: I don't know. You know, this woman has, like, what you think somebody would do in a situation like this, she does the complete opposite. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she, I don't know.
2: I Is that the end of the story? No,
0: I'm not done yet. I'm oh. still going. So, so, yeah, so Tali's crying. King comes to the rescue. And the queen explains that she's just fed the king his own children and she's going to kill Talia. And he goes crazy. He's obviously angry. And he instead casts his wife, the queen, into the fire as well as the secretary for having helped her.
2: Ah, good. So both
0: of them meet their maker. Then the cook comes forward and he's like, I'm going to throw you on the fire too. And the cook's like, no, please have mercy. And he's like, I didn't kill your kids. Your kids are adorable. They're at home with my wife. And then the king is like. (laughs) This is the best day ever. And they bring the kids in and the the cook gets promoted to a chamberlain because he's <laughs> Yeah, that's Yeah. And then the king marries Talia and then it's happily ever after the end.
2: I like the idea that this story has the equivalent of the movie moment where it shows the person's picture and it says like This person went on to win five more championships. (laughs) In 1998, he died of old age. (laughs) Yeah, it's got a picture of the
0: Chamberlain on the wall. Actually, it'd be a painting. Uh, Probably a very, I I picture it being a very detailed painting.
1: Don't you forget about me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, the last line of the story. So, the lesson is this proverb. Oh,
2: please tell me what the lesson is.
0: Those whom fortune favors find good luck even in their sleep.
2: Good Lord, that's a
1: horrible lesson. <laughs> I
0: know. She, I know. So fortune favors those who are lucky because lucky people tell you yeah,
2: yeah, While you were sleeping, you had All two the, babies.
0: Yeah, you were raped and you had two children.
2: You can't get any luckier all Yeah,
1: right. You know who the I'm lucky just... person is? The, the, the cook. Because yeah. all he did was not murder kids and he got a promotion out of
2: it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so like it. Charles Perrault, who wrote a version of Sleeping Beauty, his was obviously much more tame, but still had some dark elements. And this is the version that was based, that the Disney movie was based upon, was the Charles Perrault version. But obviously it took out all the dark parts. Um, but Pearl's version does also include some attempted cannibalism
2: and death. But there is no... Cannibalism it, is fine. Just not necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, there's no raping of unconscious women. Instead, the king... Or the prince, rather. Because it's not a king yet. The prince. and His mother is the bad one. She's like, uh, I'm your mom and you're not allowed to be married. But the prince kisses <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. She wakes up and then they get married oh. and have children. So... Oh, much, much tamer. Still pretty dark. Yeah. But yeah, Ew. Huh. that's the story of Sleeping Beauty. Wow. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna take a, bow, and take a bow. Take a bow. I hope that all of our listeners don't hate the way that I told that. So if you want to read the real version, because it's really not that long, you can find it online. Just search Sleeping Beauty Gian Battista Basil, and you could probably find it. Whoa. I read it in like ten minutes.
2: Who's telling the story next?
0: Uh. I don't know. Me. Oh, okay. Alex is telling his story now. Have to
2: go get water first.
0: Hey, will, will you fill mine up too? I'm thirsty. I need water.
2: I just had this part of my throat. It feels like super dry right now.
0: All right. Well. Ugh. Okay. You better undry it because it's I'm time trying. for time for us to learn about the Little Mermaid. Well,
2: I liked your story. It was very strange. All very right. strange. But yes, now it's time. To learn about Hans Christian Andersen, Woo-hoo. and then we'll do a little survey.
0: Okay.
2: And mostly, there's a reason you'll see why I wanted to talk about Hans Christian. So, did
0: you say Hans Christian or Hans Christian?
2: Hans Christian. I keep wanting to call him Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <Hayden's> <laughs> the,
0: <laughs> he played <laughs> uh, An- Anakin, Anakin Skywalker.
2: Yeah. In he, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will most likely accidentally say that one sometime during this. Um, so he was born. Yeah, the second one is, yeah.
1: nineteen
2: eight almost said 1905. 1805. And he wrote 3,381 stories.
0: That's Jesus. a lot of stories.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's what I thought. And a lot of his stories became prominent fairy tales. I think a lot of us have at least heard of, if not been turned into movies like The Little Mermaid, The Princess and the Pea, The Ugly Duckling, The
0: Princess and the Pea, Thumbelina.
2: Mm-hmm. And so he's he's written a lot of stuff and, and interestingly enough Most of his most popular stories Came from his first collection of Things that he wrote So he it's peaked early man. on
1: Inspiration Yeah,
2: he peaked, he peaked early on But he wrote a ton of stuff And I'm sure if I look through the list Of his like second and third collections That we would probably get more But the reason I wanted to bring him up Besides that, you know, my story With uh, The Little Mermaid Is I saw a hilarious story that I just had to share with you all Oh yeah? And it's his meeting with Charles Dickens
1: Ooh. Right. So
2: yeah, so he paid a visit to England, uh, kind of celebrating some of his, his success and all that kind of stuff. And so he goes and meets Charles Dickens for the first time, and they go, they walk together, they talk, they're having a great time. And Anderson wrote in his diary about it. He said, "We had a, we had come to the veranda, and I was so happy to see and speak to England's now living writer, whom I love the most." So he. He was kind of, like, little- looking up to him, right?
0: Yeah. Uh-oh.
2: Yeah. So, two authors, they, they really respected each other's work, and they had a lot in common. Like, they both grew up poor, mm-hmm. and kind of really been affected by the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Like, both revised very prominently. And so, they both had this sympathy for children, which you see in a lot of their works. Yeah. And Anderson goes back to uh, England ten years later to to visit... Charles Dickens, Dickens again. again. And this was going to be a brief visit, uh, and he was going to stay with Dickens for a little bit of time. But the problem is, is the little bit of time turned into a five-week stay with Dickens. Oh, my What did
0: Dickens think of that?
2: Well, after Anderson left, Dickens never talked to him again.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, no. Well,
1: no
2: and no. Anderson... Was greatly confused and disappointed by it. He had no idea what he had done wrong. I would say a five.
0: He overstayed his welcome. Yeah. I would say a
2: five weeks stay at your friend's place when you didn't tell him you were going to stay that long would probably do it. And yeah. it's only—it's
0: more like I wouldn't even really consider them friends. I consider them colleagues. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be too happy either. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little background on Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to tell the story of Little Mermaid, and I really don't remember the movie, hardly at all. I had to keep asking Cece questions about, I like, did. hey, did this happen in the movie? So, and I'm just like, no. And then I looked up some, like, what happens with Ursula in the movie. I Ursula. I did not, did not remember any of that.
0: My fa- I think that one of the best Disney songs ever is Unfortunate Souls. Oh. For unfortunate Souls.
2: Is that something about Ursula? Yeah. Okay. So, all right, so in the story, all Little Mermaid sisters have come of age, and she's turning of age, and she hears all of these stories about the surface, so it's her turn to go to the surface. They all take turns, and she goes up, and she watches a birthday celebration in honor of the prince, and she falls in love with him from a distance. <laughs> And then a violent storm hits and sinks the ship. And she saves him, a lot like in the movie. Yeah. And carries them to shore. Except for there's no singing this time. And that's one of the key moments of the movie that ah. I had to look up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, she's not singing to him. So, he doesn't have this recollection of her. There's no recollection of her singing. So, she stays with him and then she hears someone coming and they come and take him away. So
0: I feel like if I remember correctly in the movie he doesn't really like he's like he's like kind of coming to and he sees her and then she dips down in the water.
2: Okay. So he doesn't even really know. That might be the case but he doesn't see her at all in this. Okay. He gets taken away and wakes up somewhere else. So she goes back down under the water. She's all sad and she asks her grandmother a little more about humans and like she wants to know how long they can live. She wants to know if they can live forever. And the grandmother explains that Humans have a shorter lifespan than mermaids, but mermaids live 300 years. But the the trade-off is, is that when mermaids die, they turn into sea foam. Ugh. And when humans die, they go on to heaven. Yeah.
1: No That's souls dark. for the mermaids. Yep.
2: Yeah. Hans Christian Andersen is very Christian. He, he was,
0: most fairy tale writers were.
2: And you could see that in some of the themes towards the end of this. And so she realizes that she wants a soul. She doesn't want 300 years in sea foam. She, <laughs> she, she, she wants 60. She, she wants uh, probably 40 to 60 in that time period uh, and eternal life. So she goes to the sea witch, Ursula, which uh, she's called a sea witch in the story. She's not called yeah, Ursula. Yeah, she's just the sea witch. And the witch is like, yo, bro, I'll give you, give you a little taste of this sweet nectar. Give you some feet if you give me that tongue in your voice. Yeah. And not tongue. She doesn't want to kiss her. Uh, she just wants her <laughs> actual tongue. Yeah, she wants
0: to like, <laughs> cut it out of her mouth.
2: And she wants her voice. But the witch also warns, and I don't know if this is in the movie. I don't remember this being in the movie. Also warns that if she drinks the potion, it's going to feel like a sword is going through her. No, there, yeah. no. And not only that, when no. she she's going to gain the ability to dance really well. But when she dances, her feet are going to bleed and it's going to feel like she's like uh, dancing on glass. Heck On yeah. little knives.
0: No. Yeah,
2: beautiful. I would
0: not be drinking that nectar.
2: Which there's a big plot hole in this. Like, uh, when she starts dancing, does the because she? okay, Well, you know, I'll get to that. But still, so she drinks the potion. She goes up. She goes and sees the prince, and she's up there. She's like, "Oh, hey, prince, and then, you remember me?" Except for you know, she can't say any of that because she's mute. So yeah. <laughs> he's taken a he's taken aback by her beauty, and they quickly become friends and. He loves watching her dance, which I want to know if he could see her feet—her ble- feet bleeding like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just, like- I'm like, oh, this beautiful dance. Why is my floor covered, covered in blood?
1: blood. <laughs> well, it was it was the 1800s. As long as she wasn't coughing up blood, she was good to go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true, that's true. So she, this relationship keeps growing, and she hears him say at one point that. He doesn't want to fall in love with this princess next door, pretty much. Uh, because he feels nothing for her. And so it's like, oh. And then he goes, because I'm in love with someone else. Oh. It's like picking the interest. And it's like, it's actually this lady, this girl that saved me. So he's in love with the girl that came and picked him up when he was.
0: When he was drowning in the yeah, boat?
2: Yeah. And so they go and get married. So part of the prophecy is from the sea witch is that. If she falls in love, she gets part of the part of the prince's soul, and so she gets to live forever as well. So okay. she gets a human soul. But if she doesn't make him fall in love with her, then at midnight on the wedding night, she dissolves into sea foam.
0: So, so he's gonna marry her, but he doesn't really love her.
2: No, he's gonna marry this other girl he likes. Oh. If there was the princess next door. He didn't like her. And then he goes on to talk about, oh, there's this other girl I like.
0: So, did he think that somebody else saved him? Or maybe it was the girl who took him from the beach? The girl that
2: took him from the beach is the one that he fell in love with.
0: Oh. Oh.
2: Yeah. And so, they, they get married and they're on the ship and she's just like sitting there. Crying because she's going to be turned into sea foam really soon.
0: Yeah, the Little Mermaid's...
2: A little dissolving.
0: If she she had just been, you know, happy with where she was, she'd have at least, like, what, 280 years left?
2: Yeah, something like that. So she thinks of, like, all that she sacrificed, all this pain that she's kind of put herself through so that she can maybe have a chance of everlasting life. And she's just kind of waiting for death. And then uh, there's a knife... That the sea witch, sea witch, sea witch, sea witch, sea witch, So essentially, uh, the, her sisters come back with a knife that the sea witch has given them and they hand it to her. And they said that if the little mermaid kills the prince and lets his blood drip on her feet, she will become a mermaid once more. You don't remember this part from the movie, do you? Where she has to decide whether <laughs> nope. to, to live uh, live forever or whether to the, turn into a mermaid or life? murder her love her life? Yeah, and so if she does that, all of her suffering will end, and she'll be able to live in the ocean with her family. However, the Little Mermaid cannot bring herself to kill the prince who is laying with his new bride. So she she's probably pretty bad. It's probably a difficult decision. <laughs> so, <laughs> so actually, she ends up throwing her. Throwing the knife and herself into the water just as dawn breaks. And her body starts to dissolve into foam. But instead of ceasing to exist like she was going to originally, like she was told, she feels the sun and discovers that she has been turned into a soul. Hmm. And she, as she ascends into, I guess, heaven, she is greeted by the other daughters who tell her she has become like them because she strove with all of her heart to obtain an immortal soul because of her selflessness. She's given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind for 300 years and will one day rise into the kingdom of God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa.
2: So it's a story about trying to get into heaven.
1: <laughs> you know how many, how popular like mermaids are with what like, women in our generation, I would love for Hans Christian Anderson to come back for one day and just like, be mean to them over it, you know. I'm I'm a mermaid, hashtag mermaid. They have no souls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man! Yeah, but I thought it was interesting because it takes a really Christian turn at the end. It does, yeah. but it's like I, I like the little twist. Of, you know, oh, yeah. Here's the dark ending. She couldn't bring herself to kill somebody. I'd turn to see if I'm. Oh, turns out you were doing the right thing the whole time. Hmm. That's yeah. actually,
0: I mean, that's it's a it's a dark story, but yeah. it has well, a little glimmer what, of what I like hand.
1: about it is the original. The whole point of it is you can't always get what you want, and right. that true progress in life requires pain and sacrifice and growth. Whereas the Disney version is just do whatever you like and it'll turn out <laughs> exactly <laughs> how you want it. You know, um, yeah, That's yeah. yeah. the best lesson. Be-
0: if you got a pretty face, Prince is going to fall in love you.
1: And here's yeah. a fun fact. Uh, spoiler alert. Me and Alex were talking yesterday that I was, I'm was playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and I'm having a lot oh. of fun with it. Today, this happened while I was playing it. It's got the Little Mermaid story in it. Spoiler alert, everybody. Oh, and guess how cool. it ends, Alex?
2: Does she murder somebody?
1: She flipping turns into sea foam.
0: <laughs> well, he almost turns- awesome. kills herself. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, it's got dark. Yeah, spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, <laughs> listeners, if you play Dragon Quest and you're not at that point yet, James, you can you can at James on Twitter <laughs> and tell him <laughs> that, that you're mad. <laughs> oh, All man. right, oh, James, what are you talking about today?
1: I'm talking about two stories. I think every time we do a dark fairy tale thing, I'm going to tell a more obscure fairy tale, and then I'm oh, also going to, Cause, cause I mean, I wanted to do uh, tatty coats cause I grew up with that story and nobody's effing heard it in the 20th century, but nope. I'm, I'm going to instead, uh, I'm going to talk about Pinocchio and then I'm going to read to you guys, Hans Christian Andersen's, the Swineherd. So anyway, <sighs> everybody right. knows the Disney Pinocchio, you know, it's right. a cute little story. You got Geppetto. He makes a little puppet boy. Puppet boy's adorable. A fairy gives him consciousness, but not a conscience, which instead takes the form of Jiminy Cricket. And he undergoes a tremendous evolution over the course of the story, eventually finding his own conscience and then ultimately progressing to be a real boy. Very Beautiful story. Wonderful that story. Is,
0: there are some very dark things in the Disney sure. version though. Yeah, flipping like Pleasure that.
1: Island and all that. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. that's actually man, the salt mines too. That's where they take those little kids when they turn the donkeys that one's crying for his mom. They take yeah. them to the salt mines. Man, it's yeah. dark. It, it's dark. And that being said, there's some dramatic differences between the original and uh the Disney version. I actually, to be honest, I I like most of the older fairy tales. I prefer them, they're more realistic, I think, and they're more about like the human condition. But I prefer the Disney Pinocchio. For starters, <laughs> Pinocchio is adorable in the Disney version.
0: In yes, he is.
1: the original like Carlo Collodi version, that's the fellow's name, he looks monstrous. He's like flipping like, think about all the scary puppet tropes in horror movies. He makes Chucky look reasonable. He's just he's got like no. a massive wood face and a big wood nose and he looks more like a stump that vaguely <laughs> resembles a person. Uh he's just scary looking. What's the version?
0: Oh, the original.
1: Look him up. Oh, uh Carlo okay. uh Colodi.
0: Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. I see.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Not a not a nice looking. He's like a mannequin. He's like a Doctor Who villain. That's what he looks like. Jesus. So <laughs> So anyway, um, no. and here's here's where things get interesting. True to life, he does become <laughs> conscious and true to like the Disney version. He does not have a conscience, but instead has a talking cricket. Right? Uh, right. Well, Pinocchio is not a good kid in the original. He He's not like misled. He's not he's not naive. He's just bad. <laughs> he <laughs> he runs away from Geppetto like the first chance he gets. He he does all these horrible things where everybody in town is just like, Jesus, this guy's an absolute rapscallion. Like like this is a little I mean, he's a little monster boy who's playing tricks on people and just being evil to people. Uh he's just doing horrible things around town. And the cricket is just trying, like, Pinocchio, come on, don't do this. Don't 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 do bad things. And finally it gets to a point, I am not kidding, <laughs> I'll even I'll actually read the, the lines itself. Okay. He tells him, you need to go back home to Geppetto. You don't need to be doing this. This is awful. Listen to your me, I'm your conscience. At these last words, Pinocchio jumped up in a fury, took a hammer from the bench, and threw it with all his strength at the talking cricket. Perhaps he did not think it would strike it, but sad to relate, my dear children, he did hit the cricket straight <laughs> on the head. And with a last week, creak. Cree, the poor cricket fell from the wall, dead. He murders his conscience. Jiminy
2: cricket. This is
1: like a Hellraiser movie.
2: This is oh my god.
1: Pinocchio the Cenobite. Um. So, so he, he he gets scared at this point because he literally destroyed his conscience. He's so, like, oh yeah, yeah. So he's like, I I need to run home. Now on the way home, his feet get burnt off. Because, again, body horror. Uh, But he does get home (laughs) in time, and Geppetto actually makes him new feet, and he forgives him, which is kind of amazing, because it's like he's a little demon that this fella made. Um, (laughs) So, But this is the best part. After he forgives him and gives him new legs, he still wants to screw with Geppetto. So he tells people that Geppetto abused him, like beats him, Japano goes to jail. <laughs> he's a monster. <laughs> no, it gets, it gets crazier. Flippin' Jiminy's, well, his name's not Jiminy in the original, but the cricket, I uh, can't separate it from Jiminy in my head. He comes back yeah. as a ghost. Apparently crickets have souls, not mermaids. And he tells him <laughs> <laughs> that he shouldn't get involved with the people planting gold coins to to grow a tree of gold. That that's nonsense. That's one of the, the little hucksters that he's fallen for. Uh, uh. Instead of saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so sorry I murdered you. Instead, he's like, Pfft, I don't got to listen to you. You're a ghost. So he does it anyway. So he goes to those people. And uh, <laughs> what ends up happening <laughs> at, the, at this, this tree planting ceremony to, to grow gold, uh, they, uh, they hang him from it. They, they hang Pinocchio from the tree. They murder Pinocchio at the end.
0: Does he? Uh Does he die? He so. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He flipping dies. He gets hanged. He gets hanged. He gets lynched at the end of his story. Imagine a Disney version of that. Imagine an evil, immoral Chucky from Child's Play style, (laughs) flipping (laughs) puppet boy murdering Jiminy, sending Geppetto to jail for false accusations. (laughs) 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 and then getting hanged by the cat and the uh fox in the end that, that Guys, a, yeah. that's yeah
0: that's a serious life lesson right there yeah <laughs> you, you've got to be kind did I you mean, see what
2: uh, huh? did you see what happened with the author regarding that ending
1: uh oh yeah, yeah. But people he got like flooded with hate. They're like, What's wrong with you? And Yeah, uh, he got yeah. he,
2: he got all these death threats and stuff and then he went on to continue the story and each time gave Pinocchio like horrible ends and horrible abuses just <laughs> to make everybody more mad. Yeah, uh, so
1: like, Cologne was a, a a terrific troll, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I
0: feel like that's something James would do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do too. Oh man. Well, I mean, he used to have a newspaper that he published called The Controversy. Like, so he was, he was like a troll, for sure. Los Caramuchia.
0: (laughs) He was up there with, uh, with Benjamin Franklin.
1: Yeah, that's actually who (laughs) I was thinking of, because it's like a publisher who likes to mess with people. Huh.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, man. But, uh, yeah.
0: That's cool, Um, James. And that's not cool, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Very different, though, that's for sure. Um. Yeah. But yeah, now I'd like to rate a story that I, I've read many times, and I just love it, and- Well, we'll just go, I'll just read it to you. Okay, this is Hans Christian Andersen's The Swineherd. Okay. Once upon a time lived a poor prince. His kingdom was very small, but it was large enough to enable him to marry, and marry he would. It was rather bold of him that he went and asked the emperor's daughter, Will you marry me? But he ventured to do so, for his name was known far and wide, and there were hundreds of princesses who gladly would have accepted him. But would she? We shall see. On the grave of the prince's father grew a rose tree, the most beautiful of its kind. It bloomed only once in five years, and even then, only a single rose grew upon it. But what a rose! It had such a sweet scent that one instantly forgot all sorrow and grief when one smelt it. And he also had a nightingale, which could sing as if every sweet melody was in its throat. This rose and the nightingale he wished to give to the princess, and therefore both were put into big silver cases "'and sent to her. "'The emperor ordered them to be carried "'into the great hall where the princess was playing "'with her ladies-in-waiting. "'And when she saw the cases, "'she clapped her hands with joy. "'I wish it were a little cat,' she said. "'But then the rose tree with the beautiful rose was unpacked. "'Oh, how nicely it is made!' exclaimed the ladies. "'It is more than nice,' said the emperor. "'It is charming!' "'The princess touched it and nearly began to cry. "'For shame!' It is not artificial, it is natural. How weird is that? And yeah, then all the ladies immediately agree. It is natural for shame. Let us see what the other <laughs> case contains before we are angry, said the emperor. And the nightingale was taken out, and it sang so beautifully that no one could say anything unkind about it. Superb, charmant, said the ladies of the court. By the way, she's French. <laughs> <laughs> How much the bird reminds me of the music box of the late lamented empress, said the old courtier. It has the same tone. And he began to cry. And the emperor said, You are right. And he too began to cry. I hope it is not natural, said the princess. <laughs> yes, certainly it is natural, replied those who had brought the presents. Then let it fly, said the princess. And she refused to see the prince. I think this girl. No, okay. Anyway, the prince was not discouraged. He painted his face and put on common clothes and pulled his cap over his forehead and came back. Good day, emperor. Could you not give me some employment at the court? There are so many, replied the emperor, who apply for these places, that I have no vacancy. But I'll remember you. Wait a moment. Uh, it just comes to my mind. I do need someone to look after my pigs, for I have many. Which, what a thing to brag about as an emperor. got <laughs> yeah, lots of pigs. I've
0: got lots of pigs. Yeah.
1: So the prince was appointed as the imperial swineherd. And he lived in a wretchedly small room near the pigsty, and he worked all day. And when it was night, he made a pretty little pot, and there were little bells round the rim, and when the water boiled in it, the bells began to play a tune. A jolly old sow once lived in a sty. Three little piggies had she. But what was more wonderful than that was when one put a finger into the steam rising from the pot, one could all at once smell the meals they were preparing on every fire in the whole town. This was indeed more remarkable than the rose and when the princess and her ladies passed by and heard the tune she was very pleased because she could also play it in fact it was the only tune she could play because she only played with one finger that is the tune I know she exclaimed he must be a well-educated swineherd go ask him how much the instrument is one of the ladies went and asked will you what will you take for that pot I will have ten kisses from the princess said the swineherd God forbid said the lady well. I cannot sell it for less, replied the swineherd. (laughs) What did he say, said the princess? I can't even tell you. Well, you can whisper it in my ear. It's very naughty, said the princess, and she walked off. But when she'd gone a little ways off, she heard the bells ring again. A jolly old sow once lived in a sty. Three little piggies had she. Ask him if he would be satisfied with ten kisses from one of my ladies. No, thank you, said the swineherd. Must be ten kisses from the princess, or I keep the pot. That is tiresome, said the princess, but you must stand before me so no one can see it. The ladies placed themselves around her and spread out their dresses to cover them, and she gave the swineherd ten kisses and received the pot. That was a pleasure. Day and night the water in the pot was boiling, and not a single fire in the whole town of which they did not know what was preparing on it. And the chamberlains, the shoemakers, anyone's, and the ladies would dance and clap for joy. Now we know who's having soup and who's having pancakes and who's having porridge and who's having cutlets. Oh, how interesting. So, yeah, they're, they're having fun with that. The swineherd, who is really the prince, bear in mind, they didn't know that he was, you know, really the prince. And so they didn't waste any thought about him doing anything else. But not long after, he makes a rattle which, when turned quickly around, plays all the waltzes and gallops and polkas known since the creation of the world. That is superb, said the princess, passing by. I've never heard a more beautiful composition. Go down and ask him how much that costs, but I will not kiss him again. He will have a hundred kisses from the princess, (laughs) said the lady. I believe he's mad, said the princess, and she walked off, but (laughs) she soon stopped, and one must encourage art, after all, and I am the emperor's daughter, Tell him I'll give him ten kisses, but the remainder my ladies can give him. But we do not like to kiss him, said the ladies. <laughs> that is nonsense, said the princess. If I can kiss him, you can kiss him. Remember, I give you food and employment. And the lady had to go down again. And guess you can guess what he said. Nope, has to be a hundred kisses from the princess. Nobody else or I'm keeping the rattle. So the princess did the same thing. She said, all right, ladies, spread your dresses. <laughs> gotta cover me up. And she gave him a hundred kisses. So the emperor looks out and he sees a bunch of big crowd of ladies with spread out dresses in front of the, the pig pigsty, Right. So he puts his glasses on and he thinks this is some kind of mischief. This is some kind of joke. So he puts on his shoes, he goes down there. And when he goes there, he sees that there, there's kissy noises. <laughs> and, uh, He raises himself on his tiptoes to look over them, and he sees his daughter kissing the swineherd. So he wigs out, takes his shoes off, and just starts whipping the ladies and the swineherd, right? The swineherd only got 68 kisses so far. Out of my sight, yells the emperor. He's furious at everybody. So he banishes his daughter and the swineherd from the empire on the spot. So she's just crying her little eyes out, right? Mm -hmm. And the swineherd, guess what happens? What do you think would happen? What would happen in a Disney movie? What do you think would happen next?
0: In a Disney movie, they would go off and live together happily ever after. Yeah.
1: What about you, Alex? What do you think would happen?
2: Someone's dying.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is what happens. As she's crying, the swineherd scolds her. Alas, unfortunate creature that I am, said the princess. I wish I'd accepted the prince, how wretched I am. So the swineherd goes behind the tree. Cleans off his face, gets rid of all the gross stuff, puts back on his princely clothes, and he looks so handsome that the princess, the minute she sees him, bows. I have now learnt to despise you, he said. You refused an honest prince. You didn't appreciate the rose or the nightingale, but you don't mind kissing a swineherd for his toys. And then he left the kingdom and left her behind so she could sing at her own leisure. A jolly old sow once lived in a sty, three little piggies as she... Hans Christian Andersen was on Thought Patrol, you guys. <laughs>
0: good Lord.
1: Yeah, he was, he was putting wow. them in their place, dang.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: that's a great story, though. It was very that's, interesting. That's a great lesson right there.
0: <laughs> have you put that lesson into play in your own life, James?
1: Yep, sure have. I haven't kissed a single swineherd.
0: <laughs> good, good. I'm glad that you accepted the prince. Oh, man. Oh, the first time. Wow. Um, cool, James.
1: Yeah. Thank you
0: for talking to us about Pinocchio and the swine herd. <laughs> All right, guys. Are so you ready? Is it that time of day? It's
1: that time of day. It it's
0: that time of day. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the fairy tale discussion?
2: Mm. Or
0: shall we save it for our next fairy tale episode? Because there will be more. Save it. All right, Alex, <laughs> pick one out of the... What are we talking about next week? Oh, James. This topic was submitted to us by uh, Jamses, and it is out. James, I don't really know how to pronounce this, but dotliov. Jetlov pass, pass Incident.
1: incident. Yeah.
0: Ja- yeah, Jotlov Pass Incident. That's what we're talking about next week. I really don't know anything about this. I've never heard
1: of it. So. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: We're going to do some research. Actually, I feel like, James, you did mention this to us once a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll do my research. But Alex, who does our music?
2: Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find them on Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube music. music. Anywhere you listen to Apple Music. Anywhere you listen to music. Anywhere.
0: Um. Wow. Cool, guys. I think this has been a really fun, whimsical episode. And listeners, we hope you have a wonderful week. And we hope you'll join us here next week when we talk about... How do you say it again, James?
1: <laughs> the jet love pass incident
0: the jet love passes. it's
2: also called the devil's pass yeah All
0: right. well we're talking about that next week and until next time you guys we hope that you can
2: keep, keep it straight.